0: On 98 FM and online, this is Phoenix FM.
1: And
2: Ham. That's the header. Oh, it's a goal! Terrific goal. And it's Steve
3: Watt. Reilly also racing forward.
1: And around Harris and around Troy. all oh, magnificent! Peter Kitchen with the equalizing goal. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And you know where we can be found. When Saturday comes again, we'll be trying to do our best to cheer all those on who we'll wear the rest. Whatever challenge, whatever
4: test, an from ten an from Hey well hello and good evening and welcome to tonight's Orient Hour. I'm Jamie Stripe, still sitting in for Billy Herring. And thank you for joining us tonight as we look back at last night's encounter at Scunthorpe United and Saturday's four star performance against Sutton United at Brisbane Road. Later in the show, we'll be hearing from O's boss Kenny Jackett with his thoughts from yesterday's game. And then Dave Victor has his say with Victor's view as we look ahead to this coming Saturday's crunch encounter at Northampton Town. We'll also be taking a look at the fan-led review into football governance that came out earlier today and how that could go on to affect the O's and the game in general. And as usual, we've assembled a top panel of guests this evening. And I'm delighted to be joined tonight by Richard Priest. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Darren Burroughs. Hi, Jamie. All right mate. And uh, Jacob Ranson. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you. Uh, good evening to you all, gentlemen. Very nice to have you in this evening. Uh, OK, more to come from our panel shortly, but first let's hear from Kenny Jackett following last night's 1-1 draw with Scunthorpe. And here he is speaking to Dave Victor.
2: Well,
5: Kenny, thanks for joining us. another
2: disappointing result on the road. Yeah, it was. And um, a dominant performance as well. You know, we were on top and... Um, Looked like the game was there for us right the way through, and you know we just couldn't finish our chances. Got caught on a corner when they had, you know, very few uh, uh, opportunities or chances to score. You know we should have had a clean sheet. But similarly, you know, going the other way though, we needed to put the game away really, where uh, the goal against should, should have been inconsequential. And that's really frustrating because uh, the game was there for us, and uh, it was, a, it was a, a winning performance that we didn't uh, um, get over the line. You were so dominant in that first half. I don't suppose you wanted to hear the half-time whistle? No, but then in the second half, you know, there's more clear-cut chances in the second half than the first, although we were on top. So, you know, you work towards that in the second period. And as I said, you know, all of our forwards, we had we had clear-cut chance after clear-cut chance. And lots of good situations after that where we were one-on-one as well and, and you know, couldn't quite execute. The keeper come and took a couple, a couple of good crosses very well. And we're just looking for that breakthrough to go and, and, and sort of dominate the scoreline as we were in the game but uh, it's hard to win games though it's very difficult and, and, and put a lot of effort in today we really do appreciate the supporters uh, coming on a Tuesday night it's a you know, fantastic effort from them uh, and in the second half w- when we were attacking them it's, it's a real frustrating one for me as a manager that we couldn't reward them with a win because you know, we needed to
5: 10 for the season there for Aaron Dwyane and it was an excellent assist from Hector Kipriano
2: yeah it was and, and you know we got into those situations a lot and that was the one that obviously stood out and the one that we finished, you know, we had many other chances, even when Paul Smith come come on, you know, he had clear-cut opportunities, really, to be honest with you, and was, was you know, as guilty as, as, as we all were, really, of not following, you know, following the game plan through and putting the side away because we needed to do that, and, and it was a frustration that uh, we let them stay in the game.
5: It is so difficult on the way from home at the moment. Of course, the woodwork uh, denying you again in the second half.
2: Yeah, it was. And as I said, you know, we had the chances, we had the opportunities. You know, we did look the better side, and I did think we was in control of the game. But you know, and, and, until you can get that second goal, unless you can get away from them, it was difficult. And, and, and ultimately, then we couldn't then turn that into a one-nil win on the road again on Saturday against High Flyers, Northampton Town. Yeah, different type of game. Uh, we have to get over today really because you know we're disappointed we are we have to get over that we have to you know re- realise we've done a, a lot of good things in terms of the performance re- realise we, we do want to be more ruthless and these are games we should be winning you know we're not saying that's not but you know similarly if we can win Saturday and we get four points out of six on the road that has to be our aim now because you know although it's sort of still a little bit raw I and mean, we're right after the game um, there's nothing we can do about it, and we have to look forward to Saturday.
5: There is such a contrast now between the format, uh, the Bray Group Stadium, and uh, the difficulties away from home.
2: Yeah, that was probably the best performance, though, and the most chances we've created. You know, there's been a lot of the games where they have been tight and they have been draws. You know, that's where that's where it is really. Uh, and um, you know, today was a, was the the, the the strongest we've looked, and and. Uh, the, the most on top and, and in the end as well the most clear-cut chances that we've had away from home you know so there's been a lot of them where it's been nip and tuck as as the division is and, and we haven't been able to get away from them but, but ultimately it's the same result Quake Clegg took a heavy knock, didn't he? Is he OK for Saturday? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's just rolled his ankle slightly. but You know, we'll see. Saturday will come very quickly. And, and um, we'll have to see in the next couple of days. Hopefully we have no other injuries because, as I said, it turns around very quickly. We have to focus on that game.
5: It is a strong bench. You were unchanged for the starting eleven tonight. Would you be thinking about changes for Sixfield?
2: We'll see. It's, it's early. I like to... You know, watch the game. I've got plenty of time now, uh, tonight and and obviously tomorrow to to watch the game and make those type of decisions and then assess if we have any knocks or not. Certainly, see the players on Thursday and Friday, assess any any uh, uh, body maybe out sorts or or lacking energy. You know, before I make those decisions. Uh, but but similarly, you know, I do like consistency and you know, if your side can get into a good rhythm, it does it does help understanding. And you know, I do also understand and appreciate there's a time for fresh legs. Callum Miley, is he in contention now? He's not, no, no, it'll be a number of weeks he's, he's, he's still injured, as as is Therese Almatoy. Therese has a chance of coming back, which is good, and, and strengthens our forward positions as
5: well. And finally, you already mentioned those uh, travelling supporters, it's a long journey midweek. Yeah, it is and, you know, they're
2: they're coming here seeing a, you know, a performance where we are on top and, and couldn't put the opposition away and they'll be as frustrated as, as, as myself my staff and my and, and and players tonight because you know we did feel that uh, in terms of a, uh, a win it was there for us and obviously the amount of chances that were created thank you Kenny good luck
4: uh, well there you have it um, Kenny Jacket, going through last night's uh, game uh, a few points to take from that a disappointing and dominant performance we missed chance after chance praise the support and a night of frustration we have to get over today' best performance in regards to chances created in a nip and tuck division. We're well, planning to get our teeth into there. Let's kick off with Darren, one of our regular Tuesday nighters in terms of away games. Darren, you were there last night. I suppose the mood in the stands echoed the points
3: Kenny made in that interview. Yeah, um, I think he uh, did. I think we're all frustrated. We were all disappointed. Um, echo Kenny's thoughts we all know that game was there to be won don't we yeah definitely definitely it was one of those ones where you thought you know what
4: there could be a real misery compiler towards the end if we don't take these chances luckily you know it didn't come to a, a last minute goal for Scunthorpe but I would definitely agree it was just like one of those games
3: where you thought bloody hell you know, we should really be putting this to bed and the goal we can see was ala Rochdale yeah uh, that's frustrating I think the um, defence With having 11 back from corners uh, means that the other lads that are in there, the the attackers, have to do a job. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, unfortunately, that was a night where our attackers didn't fire in front of goal. Drinnon's good goal aside. Mm -hmm. And then our attackers didn't help our defenders. No. When it came back, and we paid a big price for that last night because they're the games that we all know. Okay, it's halfway through the season or coming up, but we've got to win those games.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you if you look back at the results of the, the points we've thrown away towards the end of the uh, or, you know at the end of games on the away games, we should be top. That's nine points. I'm making it nine points. We should be top or at least second, and then that's that's a pretty tough 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 to take.
3: I, I think. We're always going to be, all all sides occasionally lose games in the last minute, concede late equalisers. I think what's happening, unfortunately, at Orient at the moment is is we're we're doing this consistently. Mm -hmm. And so you're right, it's nine points dropped. It's a very, very mixed record at the O's at the moment, isn't it? With the clean sheets record being ever so good, the goals for records being ever so good. But we've also got the unenviable record of the most draws, and that's what's costing us... Dearly.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've been to mostly away games. Why is it do you think we struggle to kill teams off when
3: we have led on our road trips? I don't know. It's the honest answer, <laughs> Jamie. Um, thanks for asking me that. um I, I really don't know, and that's that's what I all I can say. I, I can put it down to perhaps um we, we get nervous. Yeah, you know that we're still a young team, aren't we? Yeah, we've still got some young players in there, so. I can only put it down to that at the moment and that Kenny or, and, and Joe will work on that and, and the boys in, in the coaching setup mm-hmm. will we'll, we'll get that. And it will come with time yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So some interesting things coming out from Kenny about how our, our, um, they're an evolving team. Yeah, And I think Omar summed that up as well when he's, he's, he's someone's going to take a paste in. I think he was basically pretty much saying last mm-hmm. night in his his interview. So I think let's put it down to the fact that we have still got some youngsters. We are an evolving team. Yeah. Um, and it's fine lines, isn't, and that's a cliche, I know, but you know, look at the results we've had and they are fine lines. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh,
4: Kenny took time out to praise the, following, uh, the O's following last night. Is it something you need to just acknowledge a little bit
3: more? No, I don't think so. I think Kenny acknowledges it every week. Mm. Um, for me, I love the fact that uh, I'm one of those who does appreciate players coming over and acknowledging the fact that we've travelled mm-hmm. and um, what we do. And if you'd seen the hotel I was standing in last <laughs> night, you'd have appreciated it even more. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Richard, apart from the poor finishing last night, there also appears to be a soft goal just waiting to be given away in our defence. Is that down to plain old individual errors or is it collective weakness in the makeup of the defence?
6: I guess you could say it's, a, you know, it's kind of a mixture of both. I mean, especially kind of last night, I think it was more... Um, it was an error, I think, more last... It's another set piece. This is the frustrating thing, I think. Um, and it's just... I mean, I, I was wondering, you know, because I'm... I, you know, Darren goes to the away games. I watch them on the stream in are midweek and stuff. And, you know, for me, I was thinking, well, is it more of a case that we're maybe we're protecting a lead more away than we are at home. At home, we just go for it. The crowd's behind them. But when you're away, obviously the smaller numbers, you take the lead. Does Kenny then sort of say, well, let's not, not park the bus, but let's yeah. just be trying not to concede. And then, you know, we, we sort of fall back and fall back. But, you know, watching that last night, that, that wasn't the case yeah. really. I mean, obviously once we did concede, Scunthorpe did come into it a lot more. Um, but for the first 60 minutes of that game, and it, there was only one team, in it. I mean, you know, I yeah. thought they, they were the poorest team I've seen this season by a long way. Um, and, and we should have been 3-4 up by then easily and, and even after the goal went in you know, there was another 3-4 obvious chances probably I would have said but uh, it was an individual mistake last night you know I think it was Harry Smith possibly should have done a bit better in the area and, and being that tall as well And but it's just the frustration from another set piece and you know, how many times you work on the same thing you know, on a training ground, yeah. I think um, yeah, it's, just, it's just frustrating. You know? yeah. What do we think
4: Kenny can do to eradicate those sort of giveaways and lacks of concentration? It's just like a, a training ground thing?
6: Yeah, well, I mean, it is, but I mean, you know, it seems to be the same. I saw a good tweet actually last night that said um, it feels like going back to like the late 80s or early 90s orient because the home record is just formidable, yeah. and yet we really seem to be struggling away from home at a minute, and, and that's exactly what it felt like then, I remember. Yeah. Um, because we we were unbeatable at home then. And, and away, it was just... I mean, the fact that we've only won one away game this year, I mean, you know, I, I knew that it was the case, but I still had to double-check it, because, you know, we've been fifth, sixth, moving up yeah. and down. And, uh, you know, it's only two defeats, is the, the positive way to look at it. Yeah. But it's just so... I, I think somehow... I don't want to say I knew that we were going to concede, but even at 1-0, I thought, you know, it's going to be one chance. I mean, yep. I think, to be honest, if you, if you were looking at it on social media and watching the stream... Plenty of other people felt exactly the same way. It's coming. I can see exactly what's going to happen here. And to be honest, at one 0 I mean, you know, I I, I just thought that that will be it now. I didn't think we'd lose, but well, I mean, after Port Vale, I don't know anything could happen. But you know, I didn't think we were going to lose, but I just thought I can't see a score in now because mm. Scunthorpe are going to come into it more, and and maybe we're going to have to settle for a point. And normally you'd say you know away from home, a point is it's a point game, but. You know, that really, for the first time last night, I think for me, felt like two points dropped, even more than Port Vale, I would say.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the irony of uh, the comparison to the late 80s, early 90s is that we, we played quite badly in a lot of away games and that we're doing OK this season and we've only like, won one. We should be, re- you know, we should be three or four yeah, I mean, easily. I
6: Kenny said there as well about the away performance last night probably being, I mean, certainly from what I've seen and from what I've read, that was the best away performance yeah. Of the season so far So he's
3: probably right there. I think Darren No I just think The frustration is We all know We are not far away Yeah definitely Yeah, draw, Draws that we should have Going to we should have won mm. Draws instead of wins yeah. we, 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 well, That's the frustration We are so close now To having a really good team In my humble opinion mm. To a, a proper promotion Challenging team yeah. So that's how I feel Well
4: the thing is I mean my next question Was going to be Do you think that Orient Can still go up As a top three side From what you've seen Before gentlemen
0: I think so. I mean, like we've touched on, they're not far away. Um, you look at League Two, there's there's not that many teams that are playing that consistently. Mm-hmm. The fact Orient have only lost twice is, is a good thing because it, it means they're hard to beat. Obviously, too many draws and starting to feel like deja vu every time they go on the road. But... Um, you look at the makeup and the squad and and especially I was I was looking at the the bench obviously on Saturday and Tuesday and thinking that's now a, a strong bench at league 2 level um obviously Mitchell and Ogi perhaps are not having the best of games the last few mm. in but then you look and there's there's Thompson and Happy on the bench you know you've got plenty of options in that squad now providing they stay fit you should be in a good run up to the festive period and then who knows from there
4: yeah i mean for all the frustration from last night it does seem that we are making more chances and getting the ball in dangerous areas what would you put that down to
0: uh, i think personally it's just the the way they're moving the ball around they're, they're not afraid to mix it up as well is one of the things i've been impressed with this season you know they know when to go direct or or when to get it down the flanks and and get crosses in i think We've seen with, with Archie Bald, Wood, even James, all of them guys love to put the ball in the box. And, and with a big man like Harry Smith, he's always going to be able to knock it down, perhaps not on his day yesterday, but he's him knocking it down, Drinnon's work rate, some of the strikers we have on the bench as well. There's there's plenty of options to, to get it in there and, and create some opportunities. Yeah, Do you think
4: following those, that spate of nil-nil draws we had in October, do you think, Dropping Prattley and not really having two holding midfielders is is helping us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was a big advocate of Craig Clay playing more, to be honest, at the beginning of the season. I think um, we missed his work rate completely when, when it was Prattley and sort of Kipriano. Obviously, Hector's a player that is emerging, like we've spoke about. He's he's getting better, but he's still going to have off games um started the season brightly and then sort of towed off a bit, I'd say. But he's still going to be an important character in this squad. Uh, and it's nice to have the, the option of all three, isn't it? But I think Craig Clay's energy in midfield has been vital for us. Yeah,
4: definitely. Uh, Darren, would you say that our midfield is playing higher up the pitch? And is it noticeable that both Kemp and Kipriano are pressing more than they used to? Would you say that the area of the team is still a bit light and needs strengthening? Or is it there enough depth for the club to see us
3: through? that's the area that interests me the most. Uh, to answer your question, I think, yeah, they are playing higher up and they are pressing more. Um, however, they're both still young young players. I, I respect that. And my concern with both of those at the moment is there's not goals coming out of those lads. Mm. So last night was the classic game, wasn't it, where if we had a midfielder popping up with a goal to take the pressure off the front three, who have been fantastic. Yeah. And then you've got Wood, uh, sorry, not Wood, uh, Tom James has popped up I think Archibald's got four, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So if, if you look at the midfield, Kip's not scored all season and he's played pretty much every minute. Yeah. I don't think Dan Kemp, forgive me, I haven't done my research, but I don't think Dan Kemp's got a goal this season. He, I, I think was. he's
4: got one in the uh, Papa John's, yeah. I think.
3: Yeah. Uh, and going back to Jacob's point about the defence perhaps needing a rest, we've got an ideal opportunity on Tuesday to get some minutes into Thompson's legs, yeah. which I think we need now because I'm, I'm, I'm with um, Jacob on that one. I think one of those is close to needing a rest at the moment. Mm. Uh, Speaking
4: of Hector, I thought we had his most influential game of the season so far. He made the goal and almost set another one up for Kemp. Do you think he's finally come to grips with the vigours of League 2 football, Richard?
6: I agree with you, actually. I thought he probably looked really good last night. I thought he was probably the best I've seen him. Um, It's strange, you know, you have those start off as a young player and you do look a bit, you know, he hasn't played many games and, you know, we're how many games we are in now, 20 matches, and you can really see the difference already being surrounded by first-team players and, and getting those minutes in that Darren was saying. You know, it makes such a difference. And he, he I thought yesterday was the best game I've seen him play for us, actually. Um, but, it, you know, it, it does. It makes a massive difference when you're um, getting first-team football. And, you know, I think we, we mentioned before, like, you know, same with Ogi when he went out on loan. It's It's helped him this season as well. Um, But, you know, for for me, uh, to echo what Jacob said earlier, for me, it's always been Craig Clay plus one, I think. Mm. Um, At the moment, I think it's exactly as it should be. I think Prattley was falling a little bit behind, a bit off the pace. So I think the change when it was made has been a good change. Um, I I think he he got a knock, didn't he, last night, Craig Clay? I'm not sure. I think uh, Kenny Jackett mentioned it's hopefully nothing too serious. Mm. Yeah. so whether there's going to be any changes for the next game, I'm not sure. But I hope not, because Clay's probably, for me, probably been our best player of the season, along with Archibald so far, I'd say.
4: OK, OK, gentlemen. Um, for, let's leave the sunny cost Scunthorpe and move closer to home for a quick look at last Saturday's events when we took on Sutton United at Brisbane Road. 4-1 was the score, and that was a pretty good result, considering the start we got off to. Jacob, you interviewed interview Kenny after the game. Was he happy with the overall performance?
0: Yeah, I mean, he gave a lot of credit to Sutton in the sort of opening fifteen, twenty, twenty-five minutes really. Um and I personally thought Sutton were the better team in that opening stretch. Um but then he was very pleased with with how the team reacted and, and how comfortable they made it in the end. I mean it was a, a shaky start and by the end of it you you probably could have been five or six one in the end. There was enough chances and and some superb goals as well in that. So it was a, a brilliant all round performance. It was nice to see Harry Smith getting two and and two different types of goals because we've mainly seen him as a target man and and that volley was quite the finish, wasn't it? So uh, I think it was a good all-round performance. Kenny was very pleased and I think he was very pleased with the the sort of way they created opportunities, not just the, the four they scored. Yeah.
4: Darren, I thought that game just encapsulated our season so far in that there was some really good stuff from the team mixed up with some suicidal decision-making in our
3: own half. What stood out for you? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that was a typical League 2 game, wasn't it? Because the, the thing with League 2 players, they're in League 2 because they're inconsistent. Mm. And Sutton coming up to our place, I didn't know what to expect, frankly, because they've been on a good run yeah, up yeah. to that point. So, yeah, I thought um, on the plus side... Uh, the goals were, like you said, Jacob, was superb. You know, a couple of really pe- good, good goals, well-made well, well, well made goals. And then um, on, on the downside, side, uh, Oggy got caught in possession, didn't he? Bad ball over to him in the first place. I think there was a lot. Of, uh, I, I, they had other up chances, to be fair, to Sutton. Yeah, um, yeah And then they went and gone on one again and gone above us last night. Yeah. So it was, really was a frustrating... Yeah. Up and down typical League 2 week.
4: Yeah, just just proves what Kenny says about a nip and tuck league because there's, there's a
3: fag paper between about 12 sides there really. And, yeah, he's uh, right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't want to be a yes man and a with <laughs> management says but I, I think that's where we're at at the moment in that league.
4: Yeah, uh, the Sutton manager said after was that 4-1 flattered us. Is he right?
3: Uh, I think he had a point but I, I think all managers when they stick a microphone in them just after a game are going to sometimes the heat of the moment is going to get the better of them and they're going to stay. I think on that one, he's, I think he had a point, to be fair yeah. to him. I think 4-1 probably did flatter us. Yeah, uh,
4: like, I said, like people have said, their first 30 minutes, they were, I would say, the better side. They had a better time. Yeah. yeah, and but you know credit for us to fighting our way back into that and taking initiative from them. Uh, Richard, Harry Smith and Dryland appear to be forging a decent partnership now. How do they complement each other?
6: They certainly are. I mean, it's the work rate, I think. Um, For Aaron Drynan, I mean, he just does not stop running. Um, Harry Smith, I mean, he he's he's got that central role, Um, but you know he 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 does. I mean, I know how tall he is, but you know he does win a lot of flick-ons as well, and he sets up a lot of goals. I think. Um, I think possibly for both of them, there's the slight. I mean, they've both scored. You know, they're both in double figures now. I think, but you know, they've missed a lot of chances. I mean, especially Harry Smith. I mean, he's hit the woodwork. I wouldn't even... Probably as many goals as he scored this season, he's probably hit the woodwork. Um, so he's been unlucky in that sense. Um, but, I mean, I think they're they're kind of picking themselves... I feel for because who I do like, because he's sort of... When he has played, he's looked dangerous. He's, he scored a cracking goal earlier in the season... But it's it's so hard for him. I mean, Drynan really, when you think about it, he missed a fair few games as well. He, he was on the bench and he he wasn't even coming on. So to come back and put, carry on performing as he was, you know, and, and he put himself into double figures. I mean, he's he's looking undroppable at the minute. And and they're they're, they're kind of picking themselves, off, I think, those, those front pairings. And and you know, there's still Paul Smith that can come in and play up there, which he has done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they look, I mean, again, I saw something, somebody was asking about great strike pairings roaring over the years. I mean, it's very early days yet for those two. But, you know, a couple of people already mentioned them as like their their best since, I mean, obviously, Bon and Karoma uh, a few years ago. But um, I, I think, you know, this season, I mean, Harry Smith's already beaten his previous record for goals in a season and, and we're only at the end of November um, so he's obviously working well for the pair of them as well. And, and Kenny Jacket obviously knew something or saw a lot of something in Dryanen, which a lot of Ipswich fans apparently hadn't seen. Um, so all credit to him for that as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, talking about um, strike partnerships, I mean, even Wilkinson and uh, Johnson ended up, I think, at 34 last year. So we've been we've been quite lucky over the last four or five years. We've, you know, we've unearthed a, a two or three that have worked for us. I thought that Theo Archibald had his best game in the O shirt for a long time on Saturday. What are his strengths and how important has he become to this team?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree. I think he sort of um, probably hasn't performed as well since switching to that left wing-back role, which is... Somewhat understandable. It's a bit bit alien to him, isn't it? It's a it's a new position, uh, and perhaps was a bit too cautious about defending and and sitting deeper and making sure he wasn't a liability in that area. But I think um, you see on on Saturday he sort of worked out when to get forward and and was carrying the ball an awful lot, and and we all know from the from the first sort of spell of the season how effective he is getting into that final third, putting balls into the box and and creating and and sort of setting up the goals. So. Um, I think the fact that he knew when to bomb on is, is very good. Obviously, still intrigued to to see how he sort of does defensively as uh, he didn't have too much to do in that certain game. And, and he has probably been caught out a couple of times since switching to that role.
4: Yeah, I mean, the great thing for me in, in the last couple of games is actually getting more crosses in. He's looking more of a threat. And um, well, that's what we basically we need if you've got someone like Harry Smith up there. You know, it's going to be meat and drink for him. Now, Darren, you were uh, talking about maybe looking a little bit further forward into the January transfer window earlier.
3: Yeah, I, I, time to reflect on last night and, and a couple of people were chatting on the train on the way back and it, someone said, oh, well, you know, we're, we're going to strengthen in January, we're going to strengthen in January. I'm thinking, well, who would you leave out? You know, for me, I'm not so sure, I, 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 well, if I was a manager, that'd be a real conundrum. Where, where are we going to strengthen? We've got 19 goals, as we've alluded to, between the strike force so far. They're all right, You're not going to drop them lads, are you? No. Yeah, the defence has got the second best clean sheet record in in the division, mm-hmm. behind, funny enough, Northampton. Yeah, um, you've then got your midfield. You've got two emerging talents in there, such as as Kip and and, and Kemp, yeah. Kipperano and Kemp. You've got Clay possibly having the best spell he's had in an orange shirt for many a month. Mm-hmm. You've got Prattley on the bench. Great. You've got a proper leader to come on and shore things up. I'm not sure where we're going with it in January Maybe a box-to-box midfielder An old Steve Castle type Is required because we are lacking goals In my humble opinion in that middle So I think that's the only area That I can possibly say Yeah, that's what we've got to go and do
4: Yeah, I'd 100% agree with that To be quite honest Uh, The Steve Castle comparison Definitely Um, there's a little bit last night when Kemp shaped to have a shot on the edge of the area and, and refused to take it. And that's, that, that's really frustrating because he has got a strike on him. And you just kind of think, you know, in, in a tight game, someone who's prepared to take a chance, that'll win it for you. And, you know, with points as um, tight as they are, we, we just we just need that, I suppose. Um, any other business from uh, Sutton? Any, anything else to add there?
3: I just think that, that those games that we win against at home are great. We've got to follow it up with a bit more away, haven't we? And we're not we're not doing that. So, Sutton, fantastic Saturday, great weekend, all when home smiles on our faces. And then we kind of so orient like to follow it up with only a 1-1 against the worst team in the league, as I think Richard alluded to, the worst team you'd seen.
6: Yeah, that's the frustration, I think, right? We're so good at home. And then to follow it up with another draw, I mean, I know anyone would take that, a home win. And, you know, if you do that all season, when your home games, draw your away games, you're going to go up. But it just, sometimes these away games, and when you look at the teams that we're playing, they feel like a defeat. And, you know, as a fan, you feel deflated. You can't help but think as a player sometimes as well. Do they think you know, that was we might, that might be a defeat now. We, we feel like this low again and you've got to bring yourself back up. Whereas if you've got that solid momentum of just winning games rather than just not losing games, you know, th- does that make a difference to you and stuff? So, yeah, um, yeah it's a frustration, but, you know, say it's, it's still two losses. Yeah. I'm trying to stay positive and think of it that but, way. But so. of
4: course, but the only thing I say to you, I mean, last year we, we had a couple of really good wins at home and we followed up with like terrible defeats at Scunthorpe last year. So we are picking... Points up and keeping us in the mix, which is important, but I, I agree with the general point that some time, at some point we're gonna to have to put a run of four or five wins together to get us right back into it. So, okay, so a cracking win for Orion and congratulations to Dean Angel of the East Stand who picked up 470 quid on the back of that result. So, drinks on next, drinks on you next time, Dean. Uh, so, moving on now, what do the following clubs have in common? Berry, Wigan, Charlton. Macclesfield, Coventry and Leighton Orient. Well, apart from all destroying my fixed odds coupon on a Saturday afternoon, they've all been clubs in crisis at some stage over the past five years and their plight has given rise to calls for an independent regulator to be appointed to oversee the national game. Former Sports Minister Tracy Krauts has led a fan-led review of the game over the past six months and her findings are due to be released at any moment. Now, I have had a quick peek at the Evening Standard website and they are reporting that the committee is recommending the following... An independent football league regulator to be put in place to run the game on a licensing system giving powers to revoke licenses should clubs try and break away and form Super League. It would also oversee the owners and directors test and require clubs to provide proof of financial sustainability. Parachute payments from the Premier League should be shared more equally amongst EFL clubs. It will also recommend giving supporters a golden share in clubs and the power to veto things such as changing the club's name, badge, kit or colours and the sale of their stadium which is very important I should think and this report also says as I'm going through my Boris Johnson stage here I'm going through my notes Tracy Crouch, the former sports minister, is also expected to include a recommendation to consider lifting the 36-year ban on fan trinket alcohol in the stands, news that will no doubt have Danny Macklin dancing down Leighton high road with Unbridled Joy. Well, there's a lot to take in there for the time being, but let's try and get a handle on this. Darren, does this sound good to you, and what stands out as being the best proposal? Uh,
3: it does sound good, but it does leave me a little bit feeling um, I'm an old cynic.
4: <laughs> I know where this is going go
3: on. Um, what stands out for me this, the drinking in the stands um, I'm going to be quite clear I'm dead against mm-hmm. I, I really feel that, that that was a benefit and if, if there's a, a population we can't go a couple of hours without a beer um, I'm dead against that it's going to get thrown up in the air yeah. when goals are scored it's not going to be fair on people um, I, I'm, I, I would go as far as to say that they even put me off going to games and I'm, I'm a, an avid goer of games yeah. Um, I think what else stands out for me is, is Tr- Tracy Crouch is, is a good person and she's got a good voice and she's respected on, I think, all sides of, of the, the, the house. So I think, um, I think that we've got someone there that, that can actually get something done. Um, the FA aren't really doing the job, are they? So, no. so, again, we do we need an independent regulator? Yes, I think we do. So that stands out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I do hope comes out of this is positive change around the financial side of the game. Mm-hmm. Because it's out of kilter. Yeah. I think we all know that. And and that's something that um, uh, we, we, we're all of an age, and I guess most of our listeners are. Apologies if you're not, but I think the demographic probably tells us. We, 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 we're used to clubs... I remember Watford going all four, 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 four divisions. Yeah. Wigan going for Wimbledon going. Uh, when I started following the O's, the dream was to punch above our weight as a championship team. The dream now is to be a championship team. And it's, it's, yes, it's down to the, the players on the pitch, mm. but it's down to money. Yeah. So I want positive change financially.
4: Definitely. I mean, how would you describe the way some championship clubs are run?
3: Basket cases. Um, all, all chasing the Derby being the, the, the latest one. Um, the fit and proper owner tests in the championship, well, there isn't such a thing, is there?
4: No, <laughs> not really. I was going to say, I mean, does the lure of 100 million quid just to get into the Premier League attract bad owners or do usually same businessmen get caught up in the general madness of it all? I'm thinking about Mel Morris of Derby.
3: I think that's spot on. I think there's many a sane businessman that's got caught up in this. And um, I'm afraid... With business people, and I've I've been around a lot in my life, (laughs) egos get in the way. Um, And then you put their passion, you throw their passion, which is their their football club. And then even if it's not their football club, it becomes their football club very quickly. And Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not putting Kent in his bracket at all. But look at that man's passion for our football club. Uh, So I can understand it. I can relate to it. We've all got an ego. But I think that these guys really need to rein themselves in um and the Mel Morris is just the latest in a long line of of, of uh casualties yeah I almost feel sorry for him a little bit if I'm brutally honest as well because they're doing their dough
4: yeah yeah definitely that's that's, that's a lot of money to lose on, a, on on the pipe dream really Richard is this long overdue in your eyes
6: well yeah I mean you know you look at the list of clubs I mean you read out some there there's there's plenty that you left off of there really um, says. Yeah, so, yeah exactly I mean you look at was it who did we play earlier this was it Oldham this season and there's yes. you know the, the protests and everything and uh, so it is I mean I, I, you know what? it's a step in the right direction yeah um, but you know I'm sure we've, we've had a lot of these sort of conversations mm-hmm. people have had in the past mm-hmm. and it, we've seen what's happened and the fact that in, in my view we had one of the worst ourselves I think you know the, the drop we made and, and, and how fortunate we were to come back and and get the right people, you know. And I think as um, as Darren sort of said there about Ken, I mean Nigel Travis. I don't think anyone can doubt his passion for the club, but he seems to be so. He, he's uh, he's a businessman with it, but he he you just know he won't he won't push that. He knows what the limit are. And to be fair, I always felt Barry Hearn was quite similar to that in a way, you know. He he. I don't whether he was as passionate as Nigel Travis. I don't know, but. You know that was the budget. Um, you know I can go above that, but mm. let's let's be sensible about this. And and I think he probably stopped us from following a lot of teams in the earlier days from down that path. To be honest, um, but I think you know with, with Nigel and Kent in charge, especially, I, I certainly isn't anything that I worry about for us anymore. But it's definitely long overdue for for so many teams now, and 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 ones that we're seeing. You know, it feels like almost yesterday. I know Sunderland have had their issues, which seems to be half the time we're playing teams that that, that want their owners out or, or just want a, a sensible owner rather than someone who's promising a lot and, and failing to deliver anything at all. I mean, it's it's not easy to deliver anything, but, you know, whether it's to do with overspending or just, just sometimes just not having that communication with the club, I think, like, End are probably going through at the minute. You know, and, and you know, the way they've gone as well, I mean, you can almost kind of... I wouldn't liken that to what we went through. I say, like, I don't think anyone in my eyes has gone through worse than we did, you know, their chairman got them into the championship, but, uh, you know, be able, people there will tell you, Jacob will probably tell you more about what's gone wrong with them there. But, you know, one of the things for me, it seems like, you know, a, a string of bad recruitments, a string of bad managers, you know, and it could just be bad luck. I'm not sure with injuries and stuff, but, you know, they, again, it's something that they're certainly been protesting about as well. Yeah. Jake,
4: have uh, football governing bodies only themselves to blame for this action being taken?
0: I suppose so yeah I mean uh, it's a tricky one isn't it what What can they do about owners and if they got rid of all the, the bad owners um, it would, there wouldn't be many owners in football would there that's the uh, the issue you know that there's so many football clubs and, and not enough rich people I suppose so yeah. um it's an interesting one but I think it like we've already alluded to it's it's about time and and I know we've said it's a good thing and a step in the right direction but some clubs will probably think it's it's too little too late won't they so uh, and probably once upon a time most Orient fans felt like that so um it's a good thing definitely and and it'll be interesting to see Mm -hmm. how it's sort of done and and how it will actually benefit clubs because um Will it will it actually work as, as effective as we all sort of first see? I, I don't know yet. Yeah. It's a it's a big mystery, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely.
4: I'm just wondering if you know. Do you think the um, the FA have still got a serious role in the game?
3: Um, I think it's becoming less serious. Mm-hmm. I think they're becoming a, a dinosaur of organisation. And uh, I mean, what we have to do, though, to be fair to to the FA, is remember that the, their role in this, their role in this, is as organisers. Their role is a a competition. Football's a competition. And the owners of the football clubs are the people with the power, not the FA. And turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So there's not change coming soon. That's why someone like Tracy Crouch, that's why I'm I'm, I'm not a fan of government intervention. Hmm. I can't say it. I'm not a fan (laughs) of it either. I'm not a fan of that. But I think for the good of the game, it's now necessary. Yeah, Because the game is, is out of culture. We've always had clubs going bust. We've always had clubs passing buckets around, clubs struggling financially, basket case owners. None of this is new, but the difference is now twofold. One, the money involved is off the Richter scale, yeah. if I can use that term, off the scale. The other issue with this is that people have woken up to it. People, We're aware of it now. Mm-hmm. We're a lot more wise to the way owners behave and the stuff that goes on with Derby selling their ground to themselves and then using that as a weapon to say that they didn't breach the financial fair play rules. We're aware of these things now. And maybe we've got the media to thank for that. Maybe maybe we've got better sports journalists out there than we've had in the past. But whatever's happening is what fans all want is... I hope they all want is two things. I, I hope they all want the, uh, a level playing field yep. because that, that's, you know, no one gets any delight. I say, don't, we don't get as much delight out of being a team, ain't they, all that's skint? We don't. We want a fair competition. And the other thing I'm hoping fans are waking up to is that, for the grace of God, go our club. Yep. We, we, we've done that at Orient, and I, I, I'll be the first before this to have enjoyed South End's demise. I'm enjoying it a lot less now. <laughs> Because we've been in that, 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 that situation. So I hope that some good does come out of this. The cynic in me worries that the money people and the owners are not going to be able to uh, be breached. Mm. But we've got to start somewhere. Yeah, and this is organisation, it, 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 this report and this movement is, is uh, that point.
4: Yeah, yeah. Richard, do you think that the problems that have amassed in football over the last 30 years came to head during the COVID summer of 2020? brought about concerted demand for change. I'm thinking about the European Super League debacle and Project Big Picture power grab here.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I absolutely brought it to the front, I think. I mean, that's, this is the thing. I mean, as Darren just said there, there's always been these problems, but we're seeing more and more each season and it's certainly heightened in the last couple of years, I would say, Um I guess, I think until it happens to you sometimes, you probably, you're in a bit of a bubble. You don't pay as much attention to it, maybe, or don't really understand it. But but I think that certainly for us now, I mean, you know, at the time there was, you know, there's been talks with, you know, is it the Charlton Fan Trust and Blackpool Fan Trust, and, and there's so many sort of fans, it's almost sort of rivalries are sort of put aside at one point now because there's so many clubs that are similar sizes going through exactly the same thing, and, and some clubs are a lot bigger than others, um, and you've got kind of this Premier League bubble that, I mean I, you know, I've got as I'm sure we all have a lot of friends with fans of Premier League clubs and you know they don't, don't understand you know I Arsenal fans or friends I knew at the time were complaining about not being in the top four and we were bottom of League 2 on the verge of going as I was thinking we'll probably go bust there mm-hmm. And, you know, they were, you know, oh, fifth, I'm going to leave this venger out and this kind of thing. And I was just trying to bite my lip for a lot I am thinking, this is just insane. Like, this is such, you know, you think you've got problems. You come and watch football with me. We've got our youth team getting spanked every week and, and trying their hardest. And, um, you know, and I think until you've been through it, it really sort of opens your eyes up to, to what there is. And, and, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, it's just heightened it so much and it's difficult. Again, as Jacob said, there's only so many rich people out there that want to own a club as well. So, mm. you know, it's something has to change, something needs to change and, and hopefully something good can come of it because there's been a lot of talks in the past and, and very little action, I would yeah. say. And, and Whether this is the thing that does it, I'm not sure, but, but hopefully. Yes. Uh,
4: Jake, uh, of course these are only proposals. I'm sure that there will be things that the Premier League's big six won't be keen on and the Premier League are working on their own blueprint in relation to setting the game. Do you think that this report coming out before the Premier League gives the smaller clubs like Orient some hope that TV money will be even evenly more distributed?
0: I think that's the hope, isn't it? That there's more TV money. I mean, I think the game's slowly becoming that way anyway, as we see there's t- there's football on the TV every night, isn't there? The National League get good coverage of off BT, the Championship's on Sky a lot, but it would be nice to see more League One, League Two football on. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I love watching random non-league games when they're in the FA Cup and manage to get on TV. I always find it a joy and... Um, I think we saw that even in the FA Cup, that Bolton-Stockport game was extremely exciting. And and there's plenty of games like that in League 1 and League 2. So, fingers crossed, we will see it stem down. And, I mean, going off the Orient-Sutton game alone, that five goals, it would have been brilliant for a random neutral to sit down and watch that on TV.
4: Yes, super super stuff that day. Uh, Darren, do you think that if the big six clubs see too much in this report that they don't like, they will break away from the Premier League anyway?
3: Yes, Um, I do we spoke a minute ago about the Super League that will come again that will happen at some point because it's not
4: officially gone away has it? uh, and and,
3: and I think eventually um, it will happen Uh, there will be a, uh, a European Super League Yeah. I mean would you be bothered by that and if they did would you think it could lead to less money English game in general? I think it could have the opposite effect I think it could be good for clubs like Orient and smaller clubs like us because um, let's face it, not everyone can afford to get on a flight to Barcelona and watch their team. Mm. And I think we've got a great deal, a great product, a great lot to offer, great history. Uh, I think that the, the clubs like Orient will benefit in the long run if if they break away.
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, wouldn't it affect bring about some sanity to the game?
3: Yes. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I, th- I, th- I think that um, go back to what Jacob just said. Watching random games. On, on, on sky or, or on streaming or wherever you're going to watch it mm-hmm. is there's we, loads of fans were able to watch that game last night and a few months ago i was dead against it i have to be honest i was dead against it and i'm there for it i've changed my mind because i think the the I'm I, I, because my lifestyle unfortunately i can get to games mm-hmm. uh anytime i want to but i appreciate not everyone can yeah. and 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 I thought it would put fans off going but I don't think it will anymore no. I think fans will still travel in enough numbers we had great support there last night considering it was streamed I think there was we were saying earlier we don't know the official attendance so I think all these things that are building um, including the Super League I, I actually think it will be good because uh, let them get on with it you know, we, 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 we're going to surprise ourselves QPR are a great team they'll get support Teams like Preston, yeah. with their heritage, their history, Middlesbrough. And if, if they want to break away and they want to play each other every week in a dull league, let, let them go. On with you. Yeah. I, I really do. I really think that, that it could be actually a catalyst for the change, not that they're expecting.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Richard, are we heading for a major upheaval in the way the game is structured? What happens on the back of this report?
6: Potentially, yes. Uh, How that happens, I'm not sure. Um, Again, I mean, you know, Darren mentioned that this European Super League probably will happen at some point. Yes, I think it probably will. I don't think it will. I mean, I think mainly due to that fan reaction last time, I don't think it's going to be anything that happens in the near future. Um, But yeah, I think something will happen. Um, And I think, again, as as Darren touched on there a bit, you know, I I went to the Sutton game and it was... uh, My dad couldn't make it, so I had a spare ticket. My friend of mine's a season ticket holder at West Ham, came with me. And he won't like me saying this, but he actually really enjoyed it, you know. Uh, He hasn't told my other mates that, but, you know, he really did. And, you know, we got to the ground sort of half one. We were there till seven o'clock. And you don't get that kind of, you know, I've taken Arsenal season ticket holders with me before. And I remember the time I was there, Kent T came round. And, you know, slap on the back in the bar and he had a chat with us. And, And as he went away, my mate said, who's that then? So that's actually the fellow with the money into our club. I said, that's our... Uh, and, he, you know, he couldn't believe it. He was like, you would never get this in the Premier League, ever. And, you know, and my friend said, you know, on Saturday, he says the a West Ham season to get you old." He said, you know what? He said, I'd, I'd love to bring my son to something like this. Like, because he said, you, you know, a Premier League ground, really, you kind of, you just go for the game and that's it. You know, there's, there's so much more at that lower level, I think, for us. So there's a lot of things for people to enjoy there.
3: There's a guy who sits about four rows down from me in the West End, ex-Tottenham fan. Uh, chucked his season Ticking it over at Spurs He's got an orange top one. Unfortunately he picked A fluorescent pink one So But he has now Accounting for taste And uh, I've watched The bloke sinking At least 10 points In the sports club A couple of times as well So he's doing them A pair of good as well yeah. uh, and, and there's going to be More of that you know, These clubs If they're not careful they're, look at Chelsea, I don't know if you've heard about that lounge, but they've got a season ticket lounge, 1300 quid a pop already. Yeah, yeah they've refurbished it and it's now £3,950 a ticket.
4: Yeah. I, I just think that clubs like Chelsea and Spurs, they're going for like the tourist, the, the, the tourist well, supporter now. They're just going to price out their own
3: fan base. I, I wind my Premier League up, mate, mates up by calling it the Tourist League.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah I call Man's, Man United, Mun <laughs> It's, 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 Richard said, you, know, you, you you can come up, you can get pie and mash for four, five quid or in. It's great pie and mash. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's so many good things going on at this club and at this level. And we're not the only ones. No, of course There we are other no. clubs.
4: Definitely, definitely. Do you think that the EFL will survive as it stands at the moment with a championship and divisions one and two? And if it did change, how
3: do you envisage it looking? Personally, I think it will survive. I think going back to the heritage of the club... If it did change, uh, how would I envisage looking? I think it will... Um, we need the pyramid. The pyramid needs to stay in place. So I don't think wholesale change in that respect is going to happen. I'd like to see three up, three down from the National League to the uh, League Two. I'd like to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's too much wrong with the actual structure and the actual pyramid. I think what the problem lies, go back to what we said earlier, it's more in, in the basket case owners. Yeah. It's the egotistical owners, and, and it's the money is probably being misused to bigger degrees than ever. But then the, there's more naughts on them than ever, isn't there, guys? So yeah. that's that, that's part, I'm afraid. That's 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 fiscal yeah. currency, yeah. Jay, sorry,
6: so I was just gonna say, I mean, it's been mentioned previously as well about um, you know, possibly regionalizing and, and things like that. I mean. Yeah. I wouldn't personally be in favour of that, but again, it's something that wouldn't surprise me, to, certainly to cut down on costs and things like that as well. But yeah. I, I wouldn't want to see that um, because that's part of the experience no, I wouldn't Darren would have that. had last night without it and stuff. So. Do you know what?
3: Yeah, at my age, I'd be quite happy with it, but I'm not that selfish. Honestly, yeah. I would not want to take that away yeah. from the youngsters that I travel with. I've got a son, as most people know, a 19, His group of his mates go, and they're dead passionate Leighton Orient fans. Yeah, I don't want to stop them going to Barrow away on a Tuesday night, because Barrow away on a Tuesday night, Scunthorpe away, that's the stuff of dreams.
4: <laughs> or, or nightmares. <laughs> uh, Jake, would you trust someone like Rick Parry to act in every EFL club's interests,
0: or do you think that he's too cosy with the big six to be trusted? Uh, I think, going by sort of what happened during the pandemic, he's he sort of um, obviously it worked out that the EFL sort of got exactly what they wanted. It stayed the way it was, um, and going back to to what we've said about the pyramid, it's that's the beautiful beautiful part about English football, isn't it? You can theoretically come up from some random non-league level and and climb all the way up to the heights of. Of the EFL and, and even up to the Premier League if you wanted. And that's that's the, the dream of it. And that's the uh, the big issue with that Super League and the big six, isn't it? The fact that you can't climb all the way up and, and eventually get to the heights of football. But um, obviously in terms of Rick Parry... I've, most clubs speak quite highly of him in the EFL, so you've got to appreciate that and, and respect what they they think of him, haven't you? OK. Um, Darren, with all the talk about resetting the game, do you think it's time to
4: look again at the squad and salary cap throughout the EFL, Can, seeing that Orient lose about £2 million quid a season?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm not a great fan of salary caps. Um, I, I think for a couple of reasons. One, I, I don't think anyone should tell anyone They've got a right to only earn a certain amount of money, applying their trade. I don't, it doesn't sit comfortably with my own ethics. The second thing with it, I think unfortunately they'll just pay under the counter. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the cynic in me, I know, but I I, I can't, yeah, I can't sign up to that personally.
4: Okay. Uh, Richard, I suppose we're lucky that we have owners who appear to take a pushback from supporters on board. If there was any sort of restructuring in the game that came out of this, what wouldn't you like to see implemented? Such as B teams or regionalisation, which you've probably covered.
6: Yeah, I mean say like I am not a fan of the regionalisation. I mean you know, B teams, I mean I mean certainly one of the things I wouldn't want to see is the you know, is it Guardiola's idea of, yeah, drop putting their twenty threes into our you know, that that's insane in my eyes. I mean, I I can't see anything working there at all. I mean, you you've seen from the, the Football League trophy that it, that's not going to work, you know, the attendances the are down, nobody's interested, and some of those teams are getting, Liverpool under-23s are getting smashed 5-0 by Accrington and things like this, and it's an experiment that's not working, so, you know, for, for that part as well, I don't think there's any need for it, um, but yeah, I mean, it, until there's sort of some, you know, these are all just generalisations really, you know, until there's some sort of firm ideas, I mean, th- these are certainly things that, for me, I, I wouldn't be interested in, but... I'm sure there's a lot of strange ideas that I've not even considered yet that they'll put forward as well.
4: Well, we should see how that turns up. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Interesting times ahead, I'm sure. Now, stand by for Victor's view.
5: Kenny Jackett summed it up so well on Saturday when he described his side as emerging and that the next few months would be very interesting. At the Brea Group Stadium, the O's have been exceptional recently. It's a very different story on the road. One defeat and five league wins at Brisbane Road, but you have to go back to Bristol Rovers. mid-October for the last time that Laidnoy picked up maximum points away from E10. At the Brea Group, Jackets men have won their last four in all competitions, scoring 11 conceding just one. The most recent victory for me demonstrated the growing character of this group of players because Sutton United a fit, quick and very well organised. Matt Wayside, dominated the opening 20 minutes, forcing a rare slip from Shadrach Ogey. Tom James again outstanding. Two long throws leading to two contrasting goals. Harry Smith with the assist for Theo Archibald. Smith letting fly with a fierce left foot volley for Orient's third in his second, having punished a slip from the used goalkeeper just seconds after the restart. James completing an exceptional performance with a well-taken goal. An assist from his fellow wing-back Theo Archibald from a clever corner. Both sides created clear-cut opportunities in a thrilling encounter. The neutrals would have appreciated the drama. The faithful adored the passion, fight, spirit and skill of Jacket's men. The quality of Orient's bench demonstrated the strength at the disposal of Orient's boss. His side, in E10 at least, is a force. But what a contrast on Tuesday night. Late night headed to bottom of the table, Scunthorpe United. I think it's fair to say that under the leadership of Keith Hill, the Iron were always going to be a bigger threat than their league position would suggest or by far the better side but their failure to put away so many clear-cut chances ensured that Hillsmen had the opportunity to snatch that precious point and they did just like at Rochdale the O's failed to clear a corner the quality of Aaron Joyland's 10th goal of the season shouldn't be overshadowed by that sense of disappointment and frustration. Hector Kipiano's cross was exceptional, as was Dwyan's finish. The fact that Lade Noyant created so many clear cut chances in the second half has to be a positive. The fact that they were all squandered isn't. We're on the road again on Saturday to Northampton Town. John Brady's side of five places and three points ahead of the O's following the Cobbler's midweek victory over Oldham Athletic. Having slipped out of the playoff places, the O's need a one-away day success. Home again on Tuesday. Tonight, MK Don's services visitors in the Papa John's trophy. It's the seven o'clock kickoff.
4: Lovely stuff, thank you, David. All right, a quick look ahead to the game in Northampton this coming Saturday. A crunch game, and we need big support as they are fourth and we are eighth. Atete, Hoskins, and Lewis are their top marksmen, and they will need to be better policed by our defence. We have a decent record here as the O's are unbeaten in their last four visits. So, predictions and thoughts, please, gentlemen, starting with Darren. One all. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, I'll stick with 1 0. Feels like deja vu, doesn't it, at the moment?
4: Go on. Uh,
6: full house, yeah, 1 0.
4: We oh, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to
0: say 3 0 to Orient. There we go. Let's completely put the bock
4: on it. Uh, we're going to wind up very quickly. I'm just going to mention that uh, Darren Burroughs has very luckily, well, not luckily, but Julian won the quiz uh, earlier in the year, and the prize was that magnificent picture of the England World Cup winning squad. You might be able to see it on the, on the, on the video link. How was it up there, Darren? Superb stuff, yeah. So, Julian very kindly donated that. Um, Darren's bid 100 pounds there, and that'll go to the JE3 Foundation. And uh, yeah, well done, to
3: Julian, uh, to Julian Linton for, for winning. And uh, I'm more than happy to give 100 quid towards a to great charity and a great cause. And somebody you know, very close to our old hearts,
4: absolutely. Here, here.
3: Uh, well, that just sort of
4: wraps it about it, I think. Um, let more. Oh, we've got one more minute to go. Oh, thanks, Andy. <laughs> um, so. Any changes for Northampton
0: while we're about it? Who would you like to see come in if Clay is not fit? I think he'll stick with the same. I think we've gathered recently that he, he likes a consistent team. I would personally think he's going to stick with that, especially if Clay's fit, and, and use the Tuesday night to, to give a few more minutes and, and see how they fare in that one.
6: Okay. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I think until we get a Tonkin or someone, he'll, he'll stick with the team. Because it's, it's working. I mean, we, we were unlucky yesterday. So uh, I don't foresee any changes unless there's injuries. Yeah, yeah Margaret.
3: Darren? Yeah, for us again, I think stick with the same team. Maybe uh, give Smith more minutes um, as well. Because I, I do think that he's going to make a big contribution. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm... A small Smith. Yeah, small Smith, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, big Smith going back to his old club. So, you yeah. know, if he's anything like the Jonah... Our uh, ex forwards are we'll score a trick Let's hope so. It's be
6: interesting that one,
3: yeah.
4: Yeah, well, as ever, we need big support up there. So if you can get up to Six Fields on Saturday, even I'm going. So you know, we must be doing well. Right, I think it's time to wrap the show up. Uh, that's more or less brings us to the end of the show. Can I say a huge thanks to Andy for guiding me through the studio? And of course, a massive thank you for our guests, Darren Burroughs, Richard Priest, Jacob Ranson. Thank you for tuning in. Good night and up the O's. <laughs>
1: We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And you know where we can be found. When Saturday comes again, we'll be trying to do our best. To cheer our goals on those on who wear the rest. Whatever challenge, whatever test, we'll lay an Orient from each end like an orient from each ten this is our club and we are proud so sing it up and sing it loud we were formed in 1881 the clans in Oregon and so begun the old story We'll lay an Orient from each ten Whatever challenge has come our way The Orient faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We'll lay an Orient from each 10 Lay an Orient from each 10 This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around So you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the vest Whatever challenge, whatever test, we'll lay an orient from me ten. Lay an Orion from me ten. Lay an Orient, lay an Orion.